0: Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon.
1: And I'm Alex.
0: And welcome back to some more Bad Batch. Uh, These last two episodes were insane, and I don't think any of us are okay.
1: No, we're not. (laughs) The last episode was, like, so crazy.
0: Yeah, I feel like this show is really picking up. And there were leaked titles, but I'm trying to remember how many... Was it leaked to the end or was it just like the next handful? I think
1: it was just the next handful.
0: Yeah. So I mean we're we're still moving right along, but I definitely think especially with where this last episode left off, we are moving into like mid season like, high point territory. Anx. Yeah. <laughs>
1: some angst is it's a <laughs> Darker middle chapter. <laughs> yeah, we
0: have reached the darker middle chapter. Um, but before we get into that, um, we do have some recommendations. So, we have finally gotten our good boy, Loki. His show has arrived.
1: Yeah, so we've had two episodes, right? Yeah. How are you liking it?
0: It's amazing.
1: I've watched the first episode three times and I've watched second episode three times. Mm-hmm. They're it's very good. Like it like I we always liked Loki. Well I think our listeners, if they've listened before, they they know that we've rewatched the Thor movies and we kind of got this like new appreciation for Loki. I don't know. This iteration of Loki on the Loki series, like he's amazing.
0: I feel like we picked the perfect time to like fully realize our Loki
1: standness, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like between Wanda Maximoff and Loki, like Marvel has served like me like my favorite characters. Like I'm I'm happy.
0: Yeah. I well and I think what really helps too is um Mobius, like Owen Wilson's character. Yeah. Such a good counterpart to Loki.
1: Like, oh it just, God. that dynamic works so well. It's all of the characters in Loki, I love them. I love the dynamic between Mobius and Loki. And then also the dynamic between Mobius and Ravona. Like, excuse me? Excuse me. I've <laughs> I seen ship so that.
0: Many, I've seen so many interesting theories, like, about their scene together. I I...
1: ship...
0: (laughs) (laughs) I ship Mobius and finally getting to ride a jet ski? Like, (laughs) I'm, I'm really, I I really like what they're doing with this show. And I think you expressed this, like, you know, are they peaking with the weirdness that is WandaVision and Loki? Like, is this what we can expect from, like, the films that are coming? Like, because... They're really, like, doing something here. I really, really love this type of storytelling.
1: Like, you get a bigger sandbox when it comes to the series. Like, the limited series, you get, like, it lets you have more creativity, I think. Um, I think from a money point of view, like, Disney making money, the stakes are lower. Mm -hmm. They're potentially not being told what to do as much as, like, a big blockbuster movie where, like, Endgame was, like, expected to make billions of dollars. Like, they wanted Endgame to make more money than Avatar, right? Like, there were stakes there put by the execs, and the execs, like, we've seen it. The execs probably had their hands in The Rise of Skywalker. I I I have a feeling that they're not doing that so much with the TV shows, or at least the Marvel TV shows, But then on the other hand, I think Doctor Strange Two has the potential to be like really great and really crazy.
0: Well, it'll be the like the culmination of Doctor Strange, Wanda, and Loki, and that trio like fascinates me. I'm really interested in that.
1: It's it's not only that. It's like Sam, Sam Raimi. Like I'll I'll talk. On and on about had this choice to have Sam Raimi direct it because he's done horror, he's done superhero. Now they're bringing the two together for this movie, so I think that'll be so interesting.
0: Yeah, I I think that it's gonna be very different, and like I'm glad that you know, like these shows are priming us for that. Like I couldn't yeah. imagine if they decided not to do these shows and then just go in like right into the Doctor Strange movie. Like that yeah. would be such a shift. And there'd be so much information to get yeah,
1: and like there's definitely like elements of thriller, I would say, in WandaVision. vision. Mm-hmm. There's those moments where it feels just a little off, like moments when like Wanda is aware of the like whole thing going on or like when when scenes pause and like she goes back, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. but um this week, uh Lizzie Olson said that the scary. Elements in Doctor Strange are like the scariest parts of Temple of Doom. Mm, mm-hmm. So, like, I'm trying to think. Like, as a kid watching Temple of Doom, the parts that scared me were like the monkey brain scene, and then the <laughs> scene where Indy gets his his heart like ripped, is getting his heart ripped out or whatever. Yeah. So it's like gore, kind of. Like, I, I-, I think she mean I think she meant
0: like it's like a lot of. Tension, because I read that too, and I, that's what I got out of it. That it's gonna be like, I don't know why, like Doctor Sleep came to my mind, because that movie is just like tense from the beginning, and I think it's because uh-huh. of the, the music. The thing with Wandavision and Loki is that it's very like Twilight Zone horror, which can True. get, which can get you know like into that like more gory horror, or, like any of that other kind of stuff. But I, I do think we're going more towards like unsettling. And honestly, like I'm I'm here for that. I'm I'm really into that.
1: You're you're really onto something about saying that it's similar to Twilight Zone. Both of the shows. Um, and like with Loki, the music really stands out to me to being like that. Like it's very eerie. It stands out in the show a lot.
0: Yeah, I the sound design for Loki is really cool. I think all the sets are really interesting. It's very like Jetsons, like, that kind of thing. Do you also think that it feels like really X-Files? Yeah,
1: it does. I I was just going to say, because I looked up Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, do you know who's doing the music?
0: Oh, is it um, Mandalorian? No. Oh, who is it?
1: It's Danny Elfman. Really? Yeah, so, like, Nightmare Before Christmas, Danny Elfman. Like, he's worked on basically all of Tim Burton's movies. But he also, okay, he's also worked with Sam Raimi on his Spider-Man movies.
0: That, I mean, that's still, like, when I think of those. so, like, that's, like, a very, like, 2000-y, those were, I would say, like, those yeah. Spider-Man movies were, like, very 2000s. Um, that's a very, that's a really interesting sound when you marry yeah. that and, like, Tim Burton type stuff.
1: He's also done Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh,
0: well, all when you the, add that in, that just, that just tops of it off. <laughs> <I> mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, we're both, like, super into Loki right now. I, I think we're going some really interesting places. I feel like we could possibly even do character spotlights on some of the women in Loki, um, depending yeah. on thing- where things go.
1: Oh, bonus. there's going to be
0: something there for
1: sure.
0: <laughs> I'm like, I have so many theories about the timekeepers and all that. It just I feel like we're going somewhere.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Like the TikTok theories that put the timekeepers like, yeah. I'm not going to say them, but like they are so good. Yeah, they're the-
0: it's It's been amazing. It's, the theorizing for this show mm-hmm. and with WandaVision have been, like, really, really great. And that's not to say that, like, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like, wasn't good. It just was – it was more, like, what Marvel has been doing. Yeah,
1: and the conversation around it was different. Like, it yeah. wasn't as much theorizing.
0: Yeah, because I think it was it was mostly pretty straightforward. Like, we kind of knew what we were doing. It was more grounded, whereas this mm-hmm. – it could go anywhere. Like, we don't really know what's going on. It's so weird and different. So, our other recommendation is the latest Pixar film, Luca. Please go watch this movie. It's so good. Oh, cutest thing ever. Like, Pixar said, let's play mermaids. Um, let's do queer mermaids. And I just, I love it.
1: Yeah. And the more I sit with this movie, the more I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thought finishing it was it was the visually the most beautiful Pixar movie to date. And I was, like, kind of sitting with the story. And it wasn't that I didn't like the story. I was just, like, that that was – it was different. It was – a lot of people are saying lower stakes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then someone on TikTok pointed out that this movie is more like a Studio Ghibli movie than a Pixar movie. And then everything just kind of made sense to me. And I think that the people – that are coming away from this movie and not necessarily liking the story need to, like, reframe the way they're looking at this movie, potentially. Like, don't necessarily put it in a Pixar box because it's not really a Pixar movie. Like, it is, but it is not, like, any of the others.
0: Yeah, like, I, I feel like with Pixar... You know, they they hit you with that angst, which this movie does, too. Like, you hit that Mm -hmm. angst point, and I was, like, yelling. (laughs) I was, like, very into it. But... I feel like with Luca, you know, it, it's about a boy who, it, it's very Little Mermaid, you know, he starts to, like, wonder about the surface, and he's really into the stuff. He meets another kid, and he start he kind of runs away from home, basically, because he's wants to know more about the surface and find out more of these things. And I wonder if people were expecting, you know, since it was a Pixar film, for, like, the big climax to be, like, something with his parents, or something about him, like, finding yeah. this belonging, or even... Um, Alberto um, confronting something about his past and like his parents. But that wasn't it. Like the movie was just yeah. about like the friendships between Julia Luco and Alberto and how they come together and then like the acceptance around their relationships. And it is a lot quieter. And it, it, it does feel very Studio Ghibli because it's so focused in on these kids and their friendships yeah. and their lives. And I don't think Pixar has ever really done it from that perspective before. Mm-hmm. And
1: I, I don't want to say this, like, it's like, I don't know how else to say this, but a lot of Pixar movies can be emotionally manipulative, I yeah. think. The way they, they set up the, like, really emotional moments. Not to say, like, like I always feel them, but they the movie, like, pushes you to feel it. It it, it knows how to twist the knife. Yeah, and this movie didn't do that. And so the emotions that I felt almost felt, like, more genuine. Like, they weren't as, like, strong. Like, I wasn't, like, sobbing. But, like, they felt, like, like, genuine.
0: No, I I agree with that. Because I I feel like, you know, a lot of the times they they push you – to feel these feelings, and it's not necessarily because you care about the characters on that level. Like, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Whereas, like, with, with Luca, like, I felt very invested and attached to these characters, and so, like, that is what made me feel the feelings. Whereas, like, if mm-hmm. you looked at something like, that they'd been doing before, like, Soul, or Onward, or, like, even Coco, like, you like those characters, but they hit you with that like, Yeah, it's always, like, a plot
1: point that, yeah. that, like, kind of initiates it.
0: Mhm. Yeah, like even Inside Out, like I I love Inside Out. That's one of my favorites. I know it's not everybody's favorite, but even that one, like with Joy and Bing Bong, like in the pit. Like they know what yeah. they're
1: doing. There was no like in the pit, like approaching the fire, Toy Story 3 moment. Like that didn't
0: <laughs> Yeah, there was happen. no like we're we're down in this hole and there's no hope. Like. Yeah. Cuz there is like a heavy angst moment. Um but I feel like the the resolution comes a lot faster like you don't like wallow in the pit
1: you yeah. know like <laughs> they could
0: have done that they could have like wallowed in said it, it but all. they didn't
1: uh, our audiences have been through enough for the pandemic let's
0: yeah let's, let's be just give them the real. Cool. mermaid movie like mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but I I love everything about this movie I love the both dads so much I love the cat I just, I love the Julia curses and cheeses. Oh yeah, Machiavelli. Yeah. So cute. Machiavelli, oh my gosh.
1: I do want to mention the animation was uh, more cartoony than Pixar usually does. Um, The designs were cartoony, but also the way that the characters move was really snappy, um, beautifully, like, exaggerated timing like they really i i I have a feeling the animators had a great time like pushing that cartoony timing
0: yeah i i think they they played off the accents with that
1: yeah like it kind of flowed with their speech the, the way that like italian is like yeah vocalized like the the way that they emphasize different letters like different vowels and stuff
0: yeah, I, I feel like it, it played off of each other very mm-hmm. nicely. And especially like when you compare it directly to Soul, which was the last Pixar film, it does look a lot more cartoony, which honestly like Soul is a beautiful movie. Like it's very pretty. I think they did an amazing job with it. But mm-hmm. I do think with Luca, it's more of that return to like that cartoony kind of vibe, that yeah. feeling, which I think they've been missing for a while.
1: Yeah, my takeaway from Soul was never the visuals. Like it was, it was, that movie was about music. Right. That it was about, there was maybe changing the visual style for Soul would have taken away from other things where like i think this like italian town was like the perfect stage for pixar to try something new like it was and because we were saying the the story is much more ghibli like for them to try something different with the visual style. Yeah.
0: Just i love it. Love that. Okay, so we also have some news this week. Um, We got news about two new books. Um, So the first one is the newest book from Amy Ratcliffe. It is Battles That Changed the Galaxy. So we're going to be talking about all of, I'm assuming, the famous battles we've seen throughout Star Wars. (laughs) Um, I hope so. (laughs) It's it says that it's uh expands upon these momentous clashes and galaxy altering events as they unfolded beginning 13 years before the formation of the Galactic Empire which is interesting. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So like when I when I think back to Amy Radcliffe's stuff, I always think about women women of the galaxy. And I would love this book to have art like commissioned for it, but it doesn't look like that's the case. Eh?
0: Yeah. um, (laughs) So there was a a link with some like pictures that are going to be from it. It, it's definitely like a coffee table book. Yeah, it it definitely looks like yeah. It's more of a coffee
1: table book kind of thing. Now I'll tell you
0: what I am interested in. It's this map of Scarif. I love me a good map.
1: A Map.
0: Yeah, there's a map. I would love a map of like all the battles because that helps me visualize. (laughs) Oh
1: my gosh! It really is a map. Yeah, all the
0: little islands. Numbers.
1: Like, oh, there's, like, where Bodhi wise, Like, oh, wow. Like, Here's really, where like, Bodhi fought...
0: died. Here's the, where the, like, this out everything. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the kind of thing I'm really into. And, I mean, I think Amy does a really good job when she's, like, detailing like, these events with these characters, so I'm sure it'll yeah. still be, like, a really good book. Yeah, um, of
1: course. Yeah. I'm just saying I really like that aspect of Women of, of, oh, of the same. Galaxy. Yeah. Um, But this, like, if they do maps of, like, all these battles, this will be really helpful to, like, Star Wars D&D.
0: <gasps> yeah. I'm always up for more maps. I will buy something <laughs> specifically because it has a map. Like, <laughs> we we need this. So the other book... That we got news for this week is for *Queen's Hope*, which is the third book in our Padme hopefully trilogy by E.K. Johnston. Uh, how we feelin?
1: Cover is beautiful. That's my that's my positive.
0: Yeah, the the cover is very very pretty. Um, it's *Revenge of the Sith* Padme, which is what makes me worried. I don't want E.K. Johnston anywhere near *Revenge of the Sith*. <laughs> Um but it says so the description for this book is that it's a follow up to Peril and Shadow. Um Clone Wars are raging, Anakin is fighting, Padme decides to take a secret mission to see what the war looks like on the front lines, she's shocked at what she finds. Meanwhile, um while Padme's away, her handmaiden Sabe assumes the role of senator and very quickly she's forced to make some decisions that a handmaiden might not be ready to. That's what interests me is the Sabe stuff. The other stuff, I'm not sure. Uh, I do not trust E.K. Johnson at all. (sighs) I just, (sighs) I don't know.
1: I think I feel substantially, like, more down on this one because... Queen's Peril was not my thing. It wasn't it wasn't good. Queen's Shadow, on the other hand, I have good things to say about that book. Was yep. it a perfect book? No. But I actually have a lot of positive things to say about that book. Queen's Peril I don't have good things to say about. <laughs> um so I'm kind of like coming off of Peril, going into this new one. I'm feeling not great. I think <laughs> if and
0: this is kind of the thing, like uh, not everybody likes Queen Shadow, which is like understandable. I think the the f- part five was awful, but like the rest of it was oh pretty pretty okay. Like I I agree, I I enjoyed that book as well. I think if we were coming off Queen Shadow straight into Queen's Hope, and we hadn't of gotten all of the stuff from E. K. Johnston, how she doesn't like Anakin and all her things about that, I'd probably be feeling different. I worry. With her writing Padme, that she's going to put her personal feelings and interpretations onto her, which I don't, I just don't know. Um, but that's like where my worries lie. If it's more like Queen Shadow than it is like Peril, I think it'll at least be fine. But I just, I don't know. I probably will read it just because it's not like her books are like hard to read, <laughs> but keeping my expectations very low. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and this book will be coming out November 2nd, so we'll actually be getting two Star Wars books in November, because the other one will be the final Thrawn novel, Lesser Evil.
1: That's coming so fast. I know. I don't know why they're trying to crank out all the Thrawn novels so quick.
0: They're probably starting something else, maybe. Like, they're they're starting a new thing with Thrawn, or I don't know. You
1: think he's going to be in Bad um, Batch? I hadn't thought about that, that
0: it would have to match up with the timeline from the first Thrawn trilogy novel. Yeah. Because that one goes through him like going through the Empire. So I guess it would depend on how far the Bad Batch goes. Because I think right now, no, but maybe well, later. with the chest. He's yeah. like
1: young. Is it like close to where the new trilogy is?
0: I think he's the same age as
1: Anakin, so this is before Bad Batch, before Anakin becomes Vader.
0: the The trilogy that's being written right now takes place during the Clone Wars, so he would still be with the Chiss, yeah. Yeah,
1: so but he's young. I, I think, he's like baby. Yeah, he's baby. baby. I, I think
0: Lesser Evil's gonna end with him being exiled from the Chiss because that's okay. where that's how he gets picked up by the Empire. Mm-hmm. So I think we're kind of running parallel. Lesser Evil's probably happening, like, right now, w- along with Bad Batch or something like that. True. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, but guess what else is coming out in November?
1: Book of Boba Fett?
0: Um, no. Oh. Or I don't what? know, maybe. Um, but I was speaking specifically about Red, Taylor's version.
1: Oh, red. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not only are we Woodville clowns, we are also 1989 clowns. We were both very convinced that 1989 would be the next I... re release. <laughs> it's so
1: funny. It's really She funny. just like she just like loves
0: messing with everyone. Yeah. I personally think it's funny that she did the announcement when she did? Like it was for like Scooter ron's birthday or whatever. But like the day before, like everybody on TikTok was like, "Fine, I'm entering the 1989 era, like with or without you." And like the next day, she's like, "Actually, it's red." <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess how on one TikTok was. It was like, um I'm skipping hot girl summer and going right to depressed girl autumn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: i saw somebody oh say it. they're like not only is taylor denying us hot girl summer but she's also telling us that we have to get a boyfriend have him not show up to our birthday party steal our scarf have our hearts broken so that we can enter autumn ready to experience yeah, red.
1: Like, red and it's weird because i got this like weird like craving to listen to red recently and yeah, it was we know the you're magical alex you summon the stuff I, all the time i like it's so weird i was just like i got in a mood to just like listen to all too well and cry like not relating to it like whatsoever but just like i just needed to feel something sometimes all too well is a happy song sometimes it's a sad song depending how you listen to it i don't know <laughs> <laughs>
0: but you were blasting red, like, all week, and then she announced yeah. it It just... Yeah.
1: yeah. It's a really... Yeah, it's a breakup album. It is. It's a very
0: all-over-the-place emotional kind of album. It's not a no-skip album. Um, I'm... I had the country music beaten out of me by living in Nashville. <laughs> so uh, some of her more country songs I aren't my favorite on red. I really like when she's experimenting with like the pop rock kind of sound. Um, uh-huh. yeah, but I am I'm very excited for this re-release because I think that you know 32 year old Taylor talking about you know, 22 year old Taylor is going to be really interesting. I'm into that. Well, it's like 15
1: on Fearless. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 15 was my favorite on the re-record. It just... Something about the way she sang it.
1: She gave uh, Jake Dillon Hall a lot of time to get ready. <laughs> so much.
0: Okay. So I had... I've, I've listened to All Too Well. I had never listened to the bonus tracks. Um, so I had never heard the song about how he actually didn't go to her birthday party. And oh I listened god. to that yesterday and I was like wow yeah no he's in trouble <laughs>
1: <laughs> men ain't shit oh my god <laughs> oh Jake and like and it's so funny because like wildest dreams like came out in like the spirit trailer which Jake Hall is in that movie and like the easter egg wasn't that wildest dreams was coming out it was that oh look here's Jake Gyllenhaal
0: yeah, no, he he has six months to just disappear on the face of the earth. All right, but moving on to the Bad Batch. So this week, our episodes are called...
1: Battle Scars. And Reunion. Battle Scars. Battle Scars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jasper. Take a moment to think about Jasper Collins.
0: <laughs> our um, Confederate
1: vampire. <laughs> oh, my God yeah oh,
0: no, yeah, no, Stephanie Meyer, that was not it. Oh, man. Stephanie
1: Meyer has made a lot of decisions that are not it, but... So many
0: decisions. <laughs> the more... That's what's interesting about Twilight. The more you dig into it, the more ridiculous it gets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, yes. But battle scars. Uh, let's, let's talk about... So, like, before we get into these two episodes, I do want to say, like, both of these... You know, there's a huge tone shift because we're, we're moving into, like, some darker things. We're moving into some more angstier subject matter, which I think we're building to something probably that's going to happen in the next episode or even the episode after that. Um, c- cinematography, amazing. Uh, but you had an interesting thought while you are rewatching these um, about The Wizard of Oz.
1: i was just kind of thinking of Omega in the context of Dorothy and her Bad Bash boys being, like, the scarecrow, Tin Man and Lion. Mhm. And I was like that's really soft because I I and I was thinking about how each of them kind of provides something different to her. Like they're each like her fa- like her father figures but they each give something different and like Hunter is like definitely a Scarecrow, like the one that she's like closest to. Mhm. And it's almost like Scarecrow is the father and then, like, all the others are uncles. I don't know how to explain it.
0: No, I I see that, yeah. Because I I think she's definitely closest to Scarecrow, like, throughout the the film. And then she kind of comes into it, like, with the others. And, I mean, Wrecker is so cowardly lion. Like, he is so lion. So, (laughs) like... It's his fear of heights. Like, yeah. it just... I love that so much. And then I definitely think that actually Echo and Tech are probably both Tin Man, because they're different yeah. types of Tin Man, right? Yeah. Like, ugh, I feel like Echo's that soft Tin Man where it's like, if only I had a heart, they forgot to give me a heart, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but then Tech is, like, what you would think to be, you know, Tin Man. to Like, it's very cute. And then Crosshair is the wicked witch of the West. (laughs) (laughs) Especially in Mm. in wicked standpoint. Like he's gonna be fine. I think he's gonna come back and he's gonna be fine.
1: And and yeah, so like they're trying to get Omega's Ruby slippers, which are her DNA, I guess. (laughs) Trying to get her jeans. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: This does beg the question though, who's the wizard? I don't know. Is the wizard Grogu? Oh my god. (laughs)
1: Maybe we haven't met the wizard yet.
0: Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Maybe it's Rex. Who knows?
1: But, like, I like. I wonder if, like, I'm just, like, kind of pulling this comparison and it's a coincidence or it's something that the creators think about.
0: I think it might be more that, like, those became kind of archetypes. Because I think you see the cowardly yeah, Lion true. character all the time. When there's, like, a big tough guy and he mm-hmm. has a soft spot. Like, I think that's just kind of a thing yeah. that happens. It's just
1: the, like, the the young girl surrounded by these, like, mm-hmm. men who, like, take care of her.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I I think that there's probably a little bit of, like, conscious writing going into that, but it also could just be, mm-hmm. like, the archetype thing. But I, I love
1: that. Previously, when we were watching Clone Wars, it was like, oh, the Bad Batch are, like, the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and, like, yeah. we've gone, we've, like, fully, like, for me at least, like, I I feel like we've gone past that, and now it's about each of their relationships to omega yeah well and they're all very different
0: i would say like these two episodes in particular it's about omega's relationship with wrecker um i do think you get like omega and hunter because that's like the core but she spends a lot of time with wrecker in these two episodes so, to kind of get into it, um, we had talked about <laughs> on our last episode, like, oh, there's going to be consequences of them not getting this tactical droid. There really wasn't. <laughs> it's kind of glossed over. Um, except that they're in, like, a lot of debts. Like, that would have paid off a lot of their debt with Sid, but she's kind of yeah. like, whatever, just keep going on missions.
1: <laughs> I guess we kind of thought that, like the whole Sid thing was going
0: to be a bigger deal. Yeah. I think she's just, she's just a DJ. She's just like, whatever, just get me my stuff. Yeah. Like, which is fine. Like, that's totally fine. We were just reading a lot into it. <laughs> um But the big thing that carried over from the previous episode with the Martez sisters is that it's been predicted for every episode, but Captain Rex has finally arrived.
1: <laughs> yeah, it has been, it's, it's been kind of like, um, Mephisto in the Marvel universe, <laughs> yeah. but Rex actually did show up. Mephisto has not shown up. Yeah, Ralph Boner is
0: Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, it, it's it been, everybody's been saying, Rex in the next episode, and finally, we got Rex in the next episode, Yeah, um, which does mean that the Martez sisters were not talking to six-year-old Cassian. I was wrong. Unless he passed it on to Rex, which could have happened. You know, a 6 year old Cassian could still show up. <laughs> like, we need baby Cassian, baby Kanan, and baby Cal to just round it out. That's... Yeah. I mean, that's what we need, clearly.
1: Well, K- I, like Kanan and Cal would, like, babysit Cassian.
0: They would. They're the perfect age to babysit Cassian. <laughs> I love that. That's so cute. Um, but Rex does finally appear. Uh, we don't... <sighs> I'm not quite sure, like, what he's doing. It sounds like he kind of has his own, maybe, the beginnings of a rebel cell, like, working with the Martez sisters. Like, maybe he's looking for other clones. I'm not quite sure. It's not talked about a ton.
1: Could you imagine us, like, seeing the Martez sisters in, like, Cassian?
0: I would love that. older. Yeah. Like, actually, like, cast characters, like, as the Martez Mm -hmm. sisters. That would be amazing. So... Basically, what this episode is it's like, finally the culmination of uh, Wrecker's headache from getting bashed around all the time. I mean, we
1: knew this is where it was going. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we have theorized that he was going to, like, have a breakdown with the chip before they tried to take it out. Um, But in this episode, when Rex finds out that they still have their chips, he's like, yo, you guys gotta get rid of them. And he takes them to Bracca, which, once again... Alex, out of nowhere, was like, "Maybe we'll go to Braca <laughs> um, to oh, yeah. remove these chips."
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! I wish we saw Cal though. Like, I mean, like I know it's a little like I don't. I think it's a he's little, like, I, I I think think it's a little head nod, like, "Hey, Braca, like Cal's gonna be here."
0: Yeah, I I feel like if we go. If we return to Bracca at some point, I think we could see him, like, arriving or, like, hiding out. But I don't think he's there at this moment. He didn't go directly
1: from 66 to Bracca.
0: I have no idea. What would take him there? Like, what... I feel like he... I'm trying to remember from the game. Like, I think he says that, you know, he's been hiding for five years. But I don't know if that's how long he's been on the planet. Are you looking it up? Is that what you're doing?
1: Yeah. (laughs) He entered
0: pod yeah there's i don't know yeah he's, he's <laughs> floating around he's in space um but they arrive on Bracca, they go into a ship they're trying to remove the chip and of course gotta have that angst wrecker's chip activates and i think i like stopped breathing when <laughs> he uh was you know good soldiers follow orders like took over uh, what did? How did you feel about this this whole scene
1: with? I was Wrecker. scared for Omega. He was going to kill her.
0: I like, know. It was
1: legitimately scary. It was like not. Yeah, it was not okay. Yeah. Because like at this point, the Empire wants Omega, but they want her alive.
0: No, um, the Kaminoans. It's oh, she's still a secret. Her. Yeah because um, that that kind of gets oh, into yeah. the other episodes they want her alive and the Empire doesn't care they're just like just kill the clones they don't know what she is or why she's there mm-hmm. so I think I think Wrecker says that since she's um, aiding them and like they've committed treason like that condemns her as well and that's why he goes after her and he like it's legitimately scary how he's like hunting her down Um, and it is really interesting because Omega like I mean, obviously she's afraid to die, but sh- it never stops her from, like, saying, you know, like, this isn't you, it's the chip, you know, like, I, you're still a wrecker. And, like, even in the end when they, they knock him out and they try to remove his chip, like, she won't leave him. Like, it doesn't shake their relationship, which is, I, I think, really, really special with Star Wars.
1: That, that makes me think she's Force sensitive even more. Like, her calmness in stressful situations being able to, like, have common sense in those stressful situations. Yeah. She doesn't, like, her fight or flight doesn't really come
0: in. She's very more of, like, stop, think, assess than Mm -hmm. just, like, fight or flight, you know? I think she sees a lot more than they really even notice that she does. And I, I really think that it's all showing you that Crosshair is gonna come back, honestly. Like, there's a a really interesting scene with her and Wrecker at the end where he's basically, like, apologizing, and he's saying that he was trying to fight against it, like, the whole time, and he just couldn't. So it makes me think, you know, with these other clones with Crosshair, like, are they in there, like, trying to fight back, or... Did it just completely change the way that they think? Like what what are we gonna see come from that?
1: Be interesting to see. Like clearly, like we don't have a good grasp on what's gonna happen because we <laughs> thought that sin was gonna be this big deal. I mean, we knew that
0: <laughs> we knew that Wrecker's chip would activate, which I think everybody knew. <laughs> um, I mean, a lot of people are theorizing like what Crosshair's choice is gonna be when you know like is he gonna choose the empire of his free will are they gonna save him like what's gonna happen which does kind of tie into the next episode uh, but like before that you know Rex asks you know Hunter and the Bad Batch to come with him and Hunter says no like they're on their own path and I, I wanted to ask you because I, I was kind of thinking about this like why do you think Hunter doesn't go with Rex
1: Because he's a good papa. His new objective is to keep his daughter safe.
0: That's true. That is true. But like the others kind of fight him on it, like in the next episode, because they're like, you know, like we're soldiers, like what other path is there? Like, why didn't we go with Rex? We'd be free from Sid. And I think at this point, like Hunter can't really grasp what that is. Um, And I'm not quite sure what
1: it is either. It's almost like he's looking for something, but he doesn't know what
0: yet. Yeah, I think so. It Honestly, it does kind of remind me of Mandalorian with, like, he's on this path now. Like, he was on this path with Grogu and he was trying to, you know, do things for him. And I think he was growing and changing and his priorities were changing. I think that's what's happening a little bit with Hunter. And I think he's very lost without the Republic, and all he has, really, that he can, like, control and, like, you know, get a firm grasp on is, like, protect Omega, and so I think that's just kind of all he can focus on right now. Well, that's his new
1: objective.
0: Yeah. Well, like, I don't- I think that that's all his objective can be, because everything else takes- a lot of, like, thought and reflection and what is the Empire and, like, what is the Republic? Like, what is my purpose now that the war is changed, you know? I think, like, clones haven't really had to think about that before. And clearly, like, Mm -hmm. Rex has and has chosen to keep fighting. So it's it's an interesting question for, like, what's gonna happen when things are said and done. But, like, that does kind of bring us into the next episode, because they are kind of, like... Fighting him and on this and everything, but while they were on Bracca they were spotted by some scrappers, which were probably not Cal Kestis, because I don't think he's a scrapper quite yet. Um, but looks like Cal Kestis from the game. Um, they alert the Empire to their location, and the Empire is like, whatever. And they send Crosshair literally to kill them. It's like I don't care, just just get rid of them. Like we're done with it. Um, and that's when we get the confirmation that the Kaminoans. Definitely hired Finnick, and they're hiring other Bounty Hunters as well, because they want Omega brought back.
1: Yeah, they're paying the big bucks for Bounty Hunters.
0: They want those Medical (laughs) Orients.
1: It does does make you wonder, like,
0: if they're going to connect it that way, where it's like, originally they wanted Omega, and then they couldn't have her, so then they looked and they found, you know, Baby Yoda, and then they... Years later, yeah. though. I mean,
1: it is. And yeah. we've we've spoken about it on the show. Like, where are the Kaminoans? Like, in that timeline, like, where are they? Yeah. I, are they I, wiped I th- out? I think
0: there's going to be a big battle or something on Kamino. I think something's going to happen. I'm not. I'm yeah. not 100 sure. Um, but I was expecting Finnick to be like a recurring character. And now that we know that there's other bounty hunters and we see a different one, we'll talk about that at the end, it makes me wonder if maybe she was just, like, one of many. Like, more of, like, a, like, a, oh, hey, Finnick is in this episode, she exists in this timeline, then yeah. she's a character in the show. You know what I mean? And then
1: we're gonna get, they're gonna, they're gonna tick off each of the, yeah. the bounty hunters one at a time are gonna show up. Yeah, like,
0: like do you think that that's we'll the get, case? Like,
1: um, yeah. Yeah? I, I think so. So we're done. Um, we're done with Finnick. So, okay, are we, like, we're going to spoilers on this episode now. Our bounty hunter in this episode is successful. Right. So, will we need to see other bounty hunters?
0: This is also true. Or is there going to be, like, a showdown of, I want to take her should. in? <laughs> I, I... I don't know. I want to see Finnick again. I was hoping that she'd get to do more stuff, but it's looking like maybe if we're going to see her story, it's really not going to be till Book of Boba Fett, which is fine. It was cool to see her, but I was was I'm excited for Book of Boba Fett now. Yeah, I am excited for that, because I want to see her, and I want to see
1: Cop Ant. And potentially another character. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to happen. It's going to happen.
0: It's It's going to happen. I Everyone
1: should read the new Bubba Fett comics, War of the Bouncy Hunters. Yeah,
0: surprisingly. Like, yes, you should. Because (laughs) this character's great, and I would love for them to continue to be in everything. So, I think, like, most of this episode, like, it it really is, like, the cat and mouse game between Crosshair and the Bad Batch, because, like, Crosshair knows all their tricks. Like, he knows exactly how to flesh them out. And the thing that I noticed, especially watching it again, is that, like, It's not just that Crosshair is under the influence of, like, the programming, but he also, I think, is angry with Hunter and is, like, frustrated. And clearly there's something going on there because he gets more frustrated with Hunter, like, as the episode goes on, I feel.
1: Like, did you kind of notice that as well? Yeah, well, like, I think with inhibitor chip, like, he kind of he sees everything from the exact opposite point of view. So, like, though our bad batch, like, is, like, crosshair, like, why are you doing this? Like, he feels the same the other way around. And, like, you have to, like, like, we've talked about this a little bit. Like, you have to wonder, like, how much free will is, like, involved in crosshair right now. Mm -hmm. Like, is this really what he's like?
0: Well, like, and that's the thing, because I feel like people have been asking this is, you know, since it's all about free will, like, when, if Crosshair gets free of Order 66, would he still choose to stay with the Empire? And I say no. And the reason I say no is because I think when he's free of the chip, maybe initially he'll stay, but then something, you know, he'll think about things and maybe he'll talk to Omega, maybe he'll work things out with Hunter. I think there's going to be, like, an emotional moment where he... It's like, no, like, the Empire is wrong. Like, I'm meant to be somewhere else. And, like, I I really do think that that's where we're going. But a lot of people are saying that he's still going to side with the Empire. And I don't know how to feel about that.
1: (laughs) I depends, like, how, I think, how long they're separated. Mm -hmm. Like, how far can they push Crosshair away from the rest of the Bad Batch? And for how long, like... When when Crosshair finally does get a decision, when he gets to make that free will decision, like where does he stand with the Bad Batch? Does he feel like he can't go back to them? Like how Ben Solo can't go back to his mom? See, like,
0: like that's that's the kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, he'll pick the Empire, but it's not because he believes in the Empire he, wants yeah. to be there. It's because he thinks he mm-hmm. can't go back. Mm-hmm. I'm here mm-hmm. for that. Ooh, because yeah, he's the he might see that, you know, the Bad Batch has moved on, or he's caused so much harm, there would be a change of, you know, like Omega convincing the Bad Batch, you know, like, he can come back like you aren't too far gone and bring him back. And I'm very here for that.
1: That would be very good. I
0: would love that. Listen, I'm not saying that crosshair, I'm like, I'm not saying that I'm projecting Ben Solo under crosshair, but I'm projecting Ben Solo under crosshair. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Am I setting myself up um, to get hurt again and to be upset with Star Wars? I'm probably. (laughs) Um, But I I gotta have hope that um, my baby boy will be fine and come back and have his family again, because that's that's what I want. Star Wars. (laughs) Uh, That also kind of ties in you know, like, you can put those Ben Solo parallels on him, but they were literally drawing Anakin parallels with him in this episode.
1: Oh my god. Okay. Like, when they had the engine shoot off into like, Crosshair's face and like, it burned his face and then they had to put, bandage him up and put a, like, uh, something to help him breathe. That was, like, so Vader. Oh,
0: yeah. And you know that was intentional, because they left, like, one eye open, which everybody's been drawing, you know, parallels to the fight in Rebels. Like, that was so intentional.
1: hmm
0: And, like, here's the thing about Anakin and Vader. He was a poor, misguided boy. Like, the ultimate sad boy.
1: You know? Yeah. So. But, like, same with Ben. Uh, yeah. Anakin goes to the dark side because he feels like there's no place for him anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Like, he's being welcomed by Palpatine. Like, if the Empire is welcoming Crosshair and feels like he can't go back to Hunter and the boys, like... <laughs> I, that, I, I could definitely
0: see, like, the Empire's, like, becoming a home for the clones. Even if they're, like, not sure if what they're doing... Is right, Especially ones who are just, like, stationed on planets and just kind of, like, hanging out, you know? Because, like, you, you see that in other things, too, with the Empire, where it's like, oh, this is just my job. Like, it's it's whatever. It just happens. And I could definitely see them, you know, I went from the Republic to this. Like, I don't know any other life. Like, I don't know how to be any different. And I, I think that that will kind of be symbolized within um, Crosshair. And it does also make me wonder, because they stop using clones, which... Is, you know, money reasons and that kind of thing. But, like, what if the clones, like, rebel or something? And that's why they, like, officially stop using clones. I don't know if that would happen, but... Like, if
1: the orders stop working?
0: Yeah, or, like, we finally get our Stormtrooper Rebellion. Oh, my God. Crosshair brings them to freedom or something. Because, I mean, that would be interesting. Like, they thought that they had them so well programmed, and then it just... They find a way to go around it. I don't. That's sort of know. sad,
1: though. That, like, like, for, like, if they were to like take the storyline that Finn was supposed to get and give it to Crosshair. Oh, yeah, it's
0: would... very sad. No, no, it's extremely sad because it was supposed to be Finn's. No. But uh, as we know, with Star Wars, nothing is safe. <laughs> true. Trust no one. Trust no. <laughs> Assume everyone will disappoint you. <laughs> so this brings us to. The end of the episode, which is, oh man, I was not expect. Like if you thought you were ready for the end of this episode, you were wrong. Like I don't think anybody predicted. Yeah, what was I wasn't expecting this. No. Um. So tell me, tell me about the end of this episode. What happens?
1: So, a bounty hunter arrives, and it is Cad Bane, our blue boy. Well, well, not, not. You know? um, <laughs> Not Thrawn, or other blue boy. (laughs) We have a lot of blue boys. (laughs) And not a space barbarian. Those are different blue
0: boys.
1: (laughs) Music got all, like, western-y, and it was, like, completely, um, like, a traditional western Mm face-off. But also, this scene um, is almost like a reuse of a demo for, like, a deleted Clone Wars scene. But that scene is Boba Fett and Cad Bane. And... Um obviously it's Hunter and Hunter um does survive this, but he loses Omega. Cad Vane gets the, the bounty.
0: Yeah, I like this shootout was so tense and when Hunter gets hit, like you just know that like Omega's gonna get taken and the fact they had the audacity at the end to frame it from Hunter's perspective, like, him waking up to this chaos, Omega's gone, like... I, like, excuse me, Star Wars. <laughs> That's not okay. That's not allowed. Um, I have not watched enough of the Clone Wars to know really anything about Cad Bane, other than the fact that I recognized him and I knew who he was. But I don't know anything about this character in particular.
1: Maybe we'll have to dive into him more. Yeah,
0: is he like a... Is he a soft boy? Is he a sad boy? Um, tragic backstory. What's his relationship with this little droid? Like, (laughs) I don't really know anything about him. Uh, he works with... He did work with Boba Fett, and he's worked with Ventress, which I know (laughs) from just reading about Ventress, (laughs) basically. So that's interesting that he has her. I really like the memes that have come out of this where it's like Omega is going to just annoy him and he'll just (laughs) dump her or something. Or she'll, like, she's such, like, a little therapist. She'll probably, like, sit down with him and be like, so what happened to you in your childhood? What's your relationship with your father like?
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, the thought of Cad Bane with a kid just being annoying... (laughs) 'Cause I mean, she's very resourceful.
0: Like like where do you think we're we're going in the next episode? Like, do you think it's gonna be a
1: rescue? Do you think she's gonna break on her own? Like I find it hard to imagine she would break free because I would assume the Cadbane goes directly to Camino. Mm-hmm. Like unless there was a pit stop made. Like, and I, I don't see why narratively there would be a pit stop between Getting her and then Camino. Right. So I think she will be back on Camino. Yeah. I kinda wanna
0: like look up these leaked titles <laughs> and like get an idea. Okay, yeah. So I definitely think that based off of these titles, which I we won't spoil for people who don't wanna know, I I'm not quite sure where things are going other than that one episode is gonna be on Ryloth, so Either this arc will have wrapped up, or it's going to be ongoing for several episodes. Which I'm not sure which is, I, I'm not sure which way it'll go. It would be interesting so we just talked about this. How Fennec Shan probably won't come back. What if she saves Omega, for like reasons?
1: Oh, like or she just wants Omega. Like she wants to get the bounty.
0: Yeah. Well, because she knows it's valuable. Like that's the thing with like employing multiple bounty hunters. Like they'll fight each other for the bounty. Mm-hmm. And that that would be interesting to like have an episode without the bad batch like it's just omega and these bounty hunters. I don't think they'll do that.
1: Um but that would be a
0: different different way to go.
1: It could go any way. Like we saw, we thought Sid was going to be big. Do you think they'll go back to Sid and see if Sid has any ideas to help get Omega like what like I feel
0: like they have no way of knowing where Oh yeah. So like they have no way of knowing where Cad Bane is, but they heard about Finnick from Sid, so I bet they'll go back to Sid to try to figure out like hey, you know, if she was hired to get Omega, like there's a bounty out on her, who set the bounty? Um, which she yeah, didn't find do they out have before. Any- yeah, they don't have any reason to believe where the bounty came from. Yeah, they don't have any reason like to the, believe
1: it's like, uh, They're Camino. not the audience. They don't
0: know. Right, yeah. Um, I do think it'd be interesting if, like, I, I assume that, like, when they rescue her, it'll be on Camino. Like, them going back to Camino is, like, very interesting idea. Like, what's going to happen? Like, is she going to talk to Crosshair? Like, I'm not quite sure what's going to go on there. Like, there's... I like that this show is so, like... Like, I don't know where it's going. I, I like the, that.
1: The only reason why I'm questioning them going back to Camino is because they already went back to Camino for Omega. That's the only reason why I'm questioning it. Because, like, they already went back for her there once.
0: That's This is true. This is very true. Yeah. I want to say that season finale might be a return to Camino and it, it could be that Omega's there but it I feel like it'll be more about crosshair. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if this is gonna be multiple seasons how they're gonna stretch it or anything like that but I feel like that feels like a like a conclusion of going back to Camino so maybe they'll break her out somewhere else or I'm not sure I honestly don't know uh, listeners we have no idea how to predict this show. <laughs> it, it, it honestly, it surprises me, like, every week. Like, I'm never expecting for it to give me what it gives us. Like, I, I wasn't expecting this show to be what it is at all, which is a good thing. Like, I think that that's really great, because when we got Mandal- like The Mandalorian, it was the same way. Like, we were so, like, floored by what they gave us, and then they kind of lost it in season two. So I, I am glad to see that here again. Do you have anything else about the Bad Batch that you want to add in here? It is
1: very it's a very good show. I love the angst. I hope Omega is okay. Hope that crosshair makes good choices. <laughs> yeah, drink some water and make some
0: good choices. <laughs> this is what we want for you. So next for us, um, we will be continuing our coverage of the Bad Batch. So we'll have, you know, our next two episodes in two weeks. But we are going to put out a separate episode to cover uh, Star Wars High Republic. That comes out um, June 29th. We will have an episode either on that day or sometime around there, um, just depending on mm-hmm. how we finish the books. Um, I can say that I am a lot more impressed with this wave than I was the first wave.
1: Yeah, yay. yeah.
0: It's Kevin Scott. Kevin Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Like wow, (laughs) he understands Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited to talk about Rising Storm. Um, Crash Point Tower is really fun. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a really nice time.
1: I've started Crash Point Tower. It's great. Yeah. So like, if you're saying like Rising Storm is that much better, I'm like. Oh my god. Listen,
0: like, my expectations <laughs> for it, based off of the first book, so based off of Light of the Jedi, were, like, not great. Like, I, I didn't really like oh, Light yeah, of the Jedi. I didn't like Light of the
1: Jedi.
0: Yeah. Um, I do still think, so, like, I will say this, that Rising Storm does fall into a little bit of a pacing issue that I think okay. Light of the Jedi had as well, but it is so much tighter, so much more character focused. The characters! oh. Ooh! <laughs> This is what we want, Alex. (laughs) So I'm very excited to discuss this book. It's going to be really, really great. Um, And I hope all of you guys are excited as well. Um, But that's going to do it for this episode. Love to hear your thoughts on... um,
1: Battle Scars.
0: And Reunion. Um, If you want to catch up with us, we are pretty much always on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye!